0: Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast, and you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Union Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy, joined again this week by Liam, Breen, Liam Hartings. Great, Mark. Sure, we're, we're we're celebrating a very successful tour of South
1: Africa for Munster. Anyway,
0: absolutely. I suppose, ladies and gentlemen, what we will be discussing tonight? URC round eighteen, the regular seasons in the books. We now know our eighth playoff. Contenders will primarily look at the Munster Rugby Sharks fixture and also Glasgow Warriors Connacht. We'll also have a look at the initial playoff preview for the URC and also looking at the Challenge Cup and Champions Cup semi-finals, which are set for this weekend. Suppose Liam, let's start first with Munster Rugby traveling to Durban to face the Sharks. Didn't look good at half time, 22-3 down, but a far improved, cohesive performance. M- Munster. Securing a draw, maybe perhaps, could have had a bit more. What were your thoughts on the game?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose look, it was do or die because the Bulls ran up an unexpected scoreline earlier on against against Leinster, with you know in terms of points difference. So, so we were, it, it, for the, for the start of the game, it was, there was pressure on. Yeah, look, I mean, again, it seems to be a thing where we've been quite strong in the in the second half, even of the games that that we've got a bit of a hammering you know we've come back strong in the second half but this was again first half sharks were very effective and their mall bongi was very effective in terms of scoring tries and, and and offloading and they they built up a good lead for themselves in that first half Munsters both look, were, weren't accurate in their execution and it was looking like a a long day at the office I mean honestly I thought it was in the second half there Looking at the score, I think it was it wasn't nineteen three; it was twenty two three, and I thought it was over at that stage, you know, even getting any sort of a try. But yeah, I mean, I, I felt we dominated the last probably about thirty five minutes of that game, um, completely, and in the end, probably should 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 have won it, either getting a try or 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 a drop goal conversion at the very death. For me, it's it's this getting standout performances. Players really stood up in that second half, from whether it was O'Mahony. Uh, or klein or nash healy again <laughs> but i suppose the, in the first half basically one recurrent thing was just we were got destroyed in the scrums just absolutely destroyed it was it was a thing where there were just I, even more so than last week i think it's fair to say that the, the sharks have a very powerful front row we were we had Archer in particular, I suppose, look, who was getting the right doing from Inche, and Then Bongi, as well as obviously, always a ferocious scrumager. But look, we, in, we we kept going. And in the second half, I think, really, the truth was there was hardly a scrum at all in the second half, really, <laughs> which helped him enormously. And when there was, the, the three guys were, were off, their, their famous front row were off. I, I think for me, like I look at the key moments, and and, and I'm just going to say Peter Mahoney, and, and that that sort of um, <laughs> that sort of um, uh, was was the key to to lighten up Munster's performance. I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you have summed up the opening half incredibly well, Liam. And to be fair to the Sharks, you know they had two notable injuries here, Liam, in the opening half. I mean. Kolisi looks a massive doubt, doesn't he, for the Rugby World Cup now, uh, given his knee injury, his early withdrawal. And then obviously you had Edwin Bosch, who I thought had played pretty well, getting replaced, injured, looked like a hip abductor issue. Take nothing away from Munster. I think (laughs) I thought the Peter O'Mahony led by example. I think his mantra really was that they were never going to take a backward step against the Sharks. And I think we'd mentioned last week here, Liam, in terms of Munster. Facing up to the Sharks again, Graham Rountree at pains to say that lessons had been learned, and to be perfectly fair, that third quarter for Munster was pretty stirring stuff. Fassi's deliberate knock-on gets the yellow card, but I think Peter Armani's involvement here, it was needed. It needed to create the energy levels to Munster to really invigorate him in that half, and I think, you know, you can criticise all you want in video analysis, but in the game itself, it needed that energy to really invigorate the Munster team because, as you say, I thought it was a much more cohesive second half compared to the, the opening period where even Munster had spells of pressure in the Sharks' 22. The cohesion, particularly from the backs, wasn't at the standard. But I thought overall to a man, as you say, Munster really did step up the the pressure and Calvin Nash has been, I think, one of the players of the season here for Munster, uh, Liam, And that was a fantastic score, really, to kind of set up Munster for that grandstand uh, finish here in the final quarter.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It was, and it's such a clever kick ahead from him as well. I don't know, he he must be quite high on the try scoring charts in terms of the URC. I I would reckon, this stage. And even in terms of Ireland selection, I mean, he's what? He has to be nearly third or fourth choice for Ireland in terms of his overall wing play, you know? And A number of things happened, I think, in, in, in the beginning of the second half there where the Sharks actually, I think Chamberlain, who was the replacement, he actually had could have kicked right to the corner and instead actually kicked out in the full. And then Werner Cock, um conceded a penalty and basically we had Healy on, Healy kicks across there then um, to Nash. And suddenly, you know, I think that was a huge um, turning point in the game as well. And again, Healy coming on early in the second half as well. That was quite significant, I thought, as well. And, 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 yeah, so, um, and again, you know, I I thought that that Murray came into his own more in the second half as well. Extremely clever try. You could say it was easy, but but you have to have the nerve to to know when to, to jot it down. Yeah, like all the guys made impact, even a dog bow, Maybe initially he did a knock on, but he was absolutely a monster, you know, in in terms of his um, rock and his defence. I think that you know, really, we pushed on that final ten minutes, and that was quite uh, very satisfactory as well. The fact that we were absolutely playing all the rugby, they were out in their feet, and um, we could have got something else, but I guess look, we already had our 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 point in, uh, at that stage. I think that uh, it was nice to see Earls actually come on uh, in the final 10 minutes. Um, I, I, and I I think we kind of figured out that he literally had to go straight off again because he was uh, tearing in the jersey
0: and <laughs> then we saw Jack O'Donoghue
1: suddenly out in the wing. But uh, So it was great to see Earls as well, I must say.
0: Hopefully that withdrawal is not too serious from a Keith Earls perspective. It was great to see him back on a rugby pitch. I suppose, Liam, from perspective again the ben healy cameo superb but really might have encompassed the shark season in that 14 minutes the kick game was in diabolical let's be brutally frank about it and once munster asked the questions here particularly when that calvin nash try went over you just got a sense that there was blood in the water and it wasn't munster uh, blood here it was shark's blood in the water that the only team that was going to really win this was actually Munster Rugby. And to be fair to Munster, I thought Finning Witcherly was absolutely superb. Comes in for Orgy Schneiman. And I think there was maybe a few question marks in terms of will we have the same impact from a front five perspective. But I thought Finning Witcherly took his opportunity incredibly well here, Liam. Yeah, he did. Because, I mean, that's
1: the real question mark is about his, his physical uh, presence. He certainly is a quality in his general play, but sometimes you you kind of would worry at scrum time but yeah he was he was immense and again you know we talk about the this was tour this brief tour I mean he's been immense in this tour and the likes of Kendelan as well and that's 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 been very satisfying you know how how these guys have stood up Klein of course as as well as probably the the the, uns, the unsung hero as well and I definitely think it helped in terms of our line-out as well. Our line-out was like top-notch. And yeah, in 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 most facets, you know, we dominated in that second half.
0: You can throw Dermot Barron's name in there as well from a hooker perspective. Didn't think he put a foot wrong there as well. So I think there's an awful lot of pleasing aspects uh, here, Lean. And I suppose the closing exchanges here, maybe just question marks in terms of whether Gavin Coombs has, has actually gone over or not. Again, inconclusive from, let's say, Mike Adamson. The, the 50-22 that kind of set this up, again, maybe a few game smarts from Munster could have been just set it back to Healy to maybe get the, the drop of goal. But maybe the pitch conditions here in Durban, far from ideal, I think, for place kicking. So maybe that maybe kind of negated that kind of option for Munster. But again, look at the stats here. The Munster Rugby secured fifth in the URC. I mean, their last 11 URC games reads as follows. It wins one draw, two losses. Considering the start to the season that Munster had, I think it's an incredible achievement for the Munster rugby management and squad here to achieve this uh, status in the league. And again, a sure playoff for the URC, but significantly Champions Cup rugby uh, for next season.
1: Yeah, because the start of the league, I think it was like two from six games. I think it was like a three. And then, yeah, we won't Beat Zebra. And then, yeah, so I mean, like, it was a, a, a such a poor start, and uh, yeah, the overall season we finished a point more uh, than last season, and we finish a spot more higher than last season. So I mean, like whatever way you look at it, just in that alone, we've we've absolutely improved. And you could argue even against Leinster. I mean, which is the benchmark. We worked tighter in our games this season. We had okay, we had a one point loss in one game, you know, so so uh, and funny enough. We, uh, we lost at home to Ulster by point and then we go to Ulster and we beat them so you know we've actually won away to Ulster and the Stormers you know two really top top teams so um again that that's very pleasing. Overall our our whole uh, attack has been very impressive throughout um, I suppose yeah, I they the word "blips." Those games against Glasgow and against the Sharks was there be the, particularly against the Sharks. Well, were the conditions a, a huge factor as well? Possibly you'd have to say. But we have a, a very strong squad there now. The Glasgow game, as we've seen with, with, with Connacht um, against them, it's it certainly is a game that we can absolutely target. same that comes back in, but there's like. No guarantee of his selection, because the the selection across the board is going to be very intriguing.
0: I think it will be pretty intriguing, uh, Liam, when we consider the arrival of Sean O'Brien. The Westmead native arrived to Munster from Exeter Chiefs at the end of the season. So that'll be an interesting acquisition here, Liam, I suppose. Get your thoughts on that from Munster rugby perspective. I mean, it was required given some of the losses of Chris Farrell, Malachi Fikatoa, Dan Goggins so I mean a guy that's well respected and expertise and should be looking to make a real good impact for Munster next season
1: yeah because again I mean you would say certainly Frisch is is certainly there but there's there's no um guarantee that our other foreign signing is gonna you know go on fire you know you hope so but um certainly um Sean O'Brien basically has a chance to be probably arguing Munster starting 12 next season. I mean that's that's the reality of it like, you know. If he go k- kicks on from pre-season, you know, he 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 could be in a partnership there and and, and Munster starter. So that's that's a massive um I suppose spur on for him. Now, this is a guy who's already featuring, who's already starting for for Exeter in the European Cup. And yeah, hopefully again we'll, we'll see him at the weekend again um get get getting getting a start. So this is not kind of this is a very astute signing basically that we have. We already have a guy who's playing at the highest level in, in Europe. Again, who can cover multiple positions as well.
0: Oh God, absolutely! Like he can cover back three as well. Liam's fierce f- versatility with Sean O'Brien. I'm also thinking the likes of Liam Coombs and even Shane D- Daly here as well to a certain extent that could make a transition here to three quarters next year, given the departures that we've had doesn't seem to be any other incomings from, let's say, a back perspective. So I think it'll be an interesting preseason here, Dean, uh, just to see the three quarters. But I suppose we have to call it out, the front row. I mean, Jeremy Lockman and uh, Stephen Archer, my God, the two guys in the last two games were absolutely heroic, I thought, in terms of the, the amount of game minutes. But does it this expose a little bit in terms of depth chart, in terms of our loose head and tight head positions here that management... I thought they'd freshen it up this week or last week in Durban. But again, the same unit went out against the Sharks. I suppose, can I get your read on the front row depth chart here? I know John Ryan arrives back from Waikato Chiefs, you know, in the preseason, But is there grounds for improvement here in terms of depth chart and maybe acquiring maybe one or two other players before the end of next season?
1: Yeah, the thing, the thing is, like, if realistically... It is a bit bonkers to start the two guys, you know, in two mass games in a row. But what were the options, you know? You get up, t- talk about going backwards as it was. I mean, <laughs> it'd be dangerous if you were to, you know, quite frankly, putting in Keenan Knox and, and literally starting that game, you know? So there was no real choice, to be honest with you. There just was no choice there. But in terms of next season, look, I mean, the only thing you can say is you probably have two th- lads were 35 years old. But they'll 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 equally share game time so that that's that's probably what's going to happen from Munster next season you know John Ryan will play half the season and, and Archer will play half the season and yeah Lachman without a doubt the, the starting loose head and again I suppose look it, the, the real thing about killer is will he last you know will he last next season you know um injury wise you know huge huge kind of question marks or that to be honest well and again I just don't think that the guys who are supposed to be second choice or third choice, I don't think, at loose head and tight head, I just don't think they're up to it uh, whatsoever. And, and well, we know that round Roundtree doesn't read things the same in terms of the amount of game minutes that the our starting front row have had to play uh, in the two games as well.
0: Yeah, I think that speaks volumes from a coaching take a perspective, particularly at the loose head and tight head prop positions. Key games in the season. i would even go back to the Glasgow Warriors game here as well, Liam. From then on, it has been minimal changes in those two positions particularly. So I think it's food for thought for Munster Rugby, particularly going into the off-season and seeing how they're going to improve. Even the guys that were the fringe guys here, they really haven't stepped up. They really haven't put the hand out for selection. So I think that's a little bit of a worry for Munster going into pre-season. But take nothing away from Munster Rugby, securing fifth in the C. Avoiding another trip down to South Africa as well, here in the process, team. And as you say, they'll be travelling away to Scottsdale uh, to face Glasgow Warriors, who entertained Connacht Rugby. So Connacht, knowing the ramification of results beforehand, started uh, the game pretty well. Again, it was a very competitive game here, but I think Connacht Rugby did show, to a certain degree, some vulnerabilities in Glasgow Warriors, um, particularly Pack. Scrummaging, but also in open play as well. Uh, what were your readings of uh, that game where Glasgow won twenty nine twenty seven? 27 I suppose we
1: really enjoyed um, the rugby match itself. But yeah, I mean, look, Connick were able to get a penalty try. We had also had Keen Prendergast driving over and and, getting a, and obviously getting a try at the end as well. So, I mean, I mean certainly they're showing vulnerabilities in terms of the, the scrum and... and um, at more time as well, they're it's it's well capable um of of disrupting them, um and I think too like, like I said I think we've won we've been very impressive in our last eight games away as well so I mean we've we've a huge advantage in in the sense of we know how to win huge away, uh, key away games and um, more than any other team in the league to be honest about this stage so that's also going to go in our favour. Yeah, we just we, we, we have come to a stage where we have such choice in virtually every position that I think we're going to cause I'm going, to, going to cause Glasgow a lot of worry. And we have the motivation of such a poor performance at home against Glasgow as well. I think that's going to
0: count. I think so too. I think there's a revenge mission here in Scottsdale. There's no love lost between these two franchises, let's be brutally honest about that. I think from a Connacht rugby perspective as well, they did show an awful lot of good signs, particularly after recovering after 50 seconds when Hugh Jones went over. And I mean, the penalty try, the scrummaging unit for Connacht completely on top here. And really, is that going to get into the heads of an awful lot of match officials here going into the playoffs with Glasgow Warriors? Because I thought refereeing-wise, some of the 50-50 calls really did go against Connacht rugby, particularly at the end. And they were kind of chasing the win here. I mean, Keane Prendergast as well. It was a lovely switch uh, move, close range to score. Glasgow do give you opportunities to score here, Liam. I mean, they impress against Munster and Towman Park, but still, Munster came on strong, particularly in that third, fourth quarter of the game. So I think Munster will be going to Scottsdale in two weeks' time pretty well buoyed by seeing the performance of Connacht Rugby here as well, but also coming in with the the form that they have. I suppose that the ending of this game, you know, Hurley Langton goes over for the try for Connacht. Has been very impressive this season for Connacht, setting up the grandstand finish. Now, I think this is where the pragmatism probably came in from Connacht. They were awarded a penalty just inside the Glasgow Warriors half going on 80 minutes. If they'd, they'd won here, they would have had to travel to the Stormers, I believe, was it? Yeah. so That's right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they went for the line, but Again, the match officials left an awful lot to be desired here. Cummins definitely coming in from an offside position. So I think from that perspective, Connacht will feel very aggrieved. But again, given the playoff fixtures here, travelling to Kingspan to face Ulster Rugby, maybe not the worst thing in the world here for Connacht Rugby and a, a fixture that they can really relish and look forward to.
1: Yeah, and uh, and again it's kind of the thing at the end where like, do you really want to win? <laughs> yeah, is a way it is one of those occasions. But in terms of um the Kingspan, I I I actually give of the great chance. If if of go there with all their big name lads, if Bealam and Aki, they must they must select everyone, okay? But if they do that, absolutely they they've a glorious chance, you know? Because Ulster, you know, when it's come down to the last few years, they, they haven't really kicked on. They have some, some serious, serious talent. Really, I, I'd have to say that Connacht really have a game. We talk about Munster being one of the teams of the season. Connacht, you know, to to finish in seventh, to be almost there in, in terms of qualification for the European Cup for next season is is massive. And they've had some serious performances this season as well. So I think that I would give them a real, real chance of turning over Ulster.
0: For the running rugby purist, I think this will be a fabulous game in Kingspan to kick off the URC playoffs on Friday week. I think definitely from an Ulster rugby perspective. Let's put into perspective, when we spoke come November, December, there was a bit of a hiccup from an Ulster rugby season perspective particularly that collapse against Leinster rugby at the Aviva again there was signs here that the season could go away from them but all credit to Ulster rugby securing that second spot in the URC securing home field advantage up until the final potentially i think it's a it's a great uh, achievement for Dan McFarlane and the squad of players but again they're going to fit this is a tricky assignment for Ulster rugby again they're going to have to play this very Cleverly in terms of their pack and their back line cohesion, they can't go too expensive here against a Connacht kind of rugby team that will just relish the open play and open field here. And I, I would be with you here as well. I mean, I think the back trees are going to be absolutely sensational on the night if it's anyway a dry track day. But again, Connacht have a good recent record against Ulster Rugby and certainly won't fear Ulster. I think this is one of the games around here, name uh, coming up in the playoffs. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, it certainly is. Probably, you know, and and in terms of, you know, I think I think away wins are possible for a number of teams in in the in the quarterfinals. They really do, and and that's one of them. And again, we're probably with Munster as well. Have have a really glorious chance of an away win as well. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, something, something to look forward to, for sure.
0: A great season for Ulster Rugby. I mean, we can wrap up from an Irish provincial perspective. Leinster travelling to the first field to face the Bulls. Now, we'd, <laughs> we'd said last week here, Liam, on the podcast that we felt this would be a high-scoring affair, but little did we think that 62 points would be conceded by that Leinster rugby selection. And let's call it a selection. I mean, all the frontline players were back in Dublin preparing for the lose Champions Cup game, but I think for those players on duty, and particularly Sean O'Brien, the head coach, I think this was a reality check in terms of when you lose the game-line battle, bad things happen, and so it proved with the Bulls, who were pretty rampant and produced probably their best performance of the season.
1: Yeah, and again, as you said, the Bulls are, are a step up from the Lions as well, so a bit of perspective there. You know, they they have a number of, of outstanding spring-boxing, Ken Moody, yeah. and Kurt lee as well, and... Then series power up front and, Norky and um and Juan Grabalar, so yeah you know or you Grabalar. so yeah um but I I think that, that I think we we still were expecting it to be as you as you said high scoring but maybe you know something like forty twenty or something like that but yeah I mean for Leinster to basically to get one 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 try in the game and and for them to absolutely get over sixty is um, unexpected I guess. But the thing is, you know, it's 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 a harsh lesson. But they, it was men against boys, so I suppose that's what we can we can say about that game.
0: Yeah, and I know Liam, you'd alluded to it last week on the podcast. It's so difficult to produce back to back performances, particularly in the South African tour, that it does add another element of complexity to teams that have to travel to South Africa. And I think Leinster have shown has seen that in full effect. I mean, they lost the physicality battle, particularly in the game line and particularly with the Bulls so rampant out wide as well. If I threw you a few stats out here, Liam, from a possession perspective, Bulls enjoyed 70% possession. The tackle count, Bulls made 67, Leinster 200, and Bulls made five times as many metres as Leinster during those 80 minutes. I mean, 62-7, I think it's an accurate reflection, I think, of how the game went, but I think it's a good learning curve for an awful lot of players that we highlighted last week from a Leinster rugby perspective that have massive potential but this is a big learning curve in terms of being in the Loftus first field, the altitude and really getting your preparation, your physicality right from minute one. And again, probably food for thought for those players in Sean O'Brien as they made their way back to Dublin uh, this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, Prendergast from the incredible high of last week, it really does show in terms of I would have, if you don't have a platform, you simply aren't going to be in the game. And, and it was as simple as that. Now, uh, did Leinster? I mean, they did lose, you know, Risharder last week, so he wasn't able for the game this week, and the the, the massive Georgian, but he he went off injured. So you know, I mean, as it was, they were they were quite threadbare. So with with, the, with those that sort of guys gone, what's going to have much of a platform up front really?
0: Yeah, but still, marvellous regular season performance from Leinster rugby, from a squ- squad dynamic perspective here, Liam. It's been a magnificent season. Their first and only loss in the regular season coming into Lofton's first result. They were up, up and away very early on in this URC regular season campaign. They are the form team. They are the template. They are the barometer for other URC teams to compare themselves against. And again, seeded number one facing the Sharks in the playoffs. I suppose we can run down through the results. Stormers defeating Benetton 38-22. Not enough to secure... The second place in the URC because Ulster did the business against Edinburgh 28-14 in Kingspan. Lions against Zebri was a very entertaining affair. Lions 50, Zebri 35. Zebri unfortunately going 0 for 18 on the season. Bulls we've discussed 62-7. Dragons, that was your prediction from last week, Liam, uh, came good against a team that rested a number of first-team players. 31-14. Yeah. Sharks and Munster we've already discussed 22-all. And then on the Welsh Shield decider, I know I went for the Ospreys. I think you went for Cardiff, Flame. I think you came up trumps again, 38-21 Cardiff. And then Glasgow and Connacht Riverview, 29-27. Any other results there that really kind of uh, highlight there for you in the regular season finale? The Cardiff Ospreys, in the sense of,
1: uh, outside of the actual game itself, like the result for either one was going to guarantee the Welsh Shield. But we have to put in perspective, the Cardiff finish in 10th place and they essentially get the the 7th spot in the URC log for qualifying for Europe. And I think this is the last season apparently that um, the the Shields, that the Shield winners are going to be guaranteed a spot in Europe for the following season. So um, for the Welsh teams next season, it it really is going to have to be (laughs) top 6, top 7 finish if they want to uh get a european spot
0: and i suppose the lead up to this game between the ospreys and cardiff was die young being suspended by cardiff rugby before the game more drama if no drama was required for welsh rugby for that but i mean all credit for cardiff rugby coming back from that conic rugby loss in round 17 to produce a performance in the principality stadium to secure the Welsh shield and i suppose save your season really to be perfectly honest um i suppose the playoff picture is Leinster entertaining the Sharks, Ulster hosting Connacht. You have the Stormers versus the Bulls in the South African tie, and Glasgow versus Munster. You've kind of eyed up a few away wins here. I mean, Leinster Sharks looks a very tasty fixture. If you consider Leinster doing battle against Toulouse this weekend in the Champions Cup, could it be a tad little bit vulnerable against the Sharks pack that has an awful lot of physicality, and maybe Leinster rotating squad here, did it look a little bit vulnerable in a in a last date? The uh, URC playoff fixture
1: Yeah, you look. You'd imagine that, that the sharks will will front up physically because that's certain. Certainly something they offer. But uh, again, I I think the sharks, you know, um, they're playing a real team in Leinster, you know, and I think without Elizabeth and without Khaleesi and potentially Bosch, yeah. their are first choice ten i i i can't actually see them offering too much to be honest about it i i think those those three losses are just too much for 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 the sharks and as you said leinster will kind of mix and match and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain for that game in terms of their squad depth they'll go into it but i yeah i, I fancy would, would fancy, still fancy leinster to have a, a fairly fairly comfortable win actually in that game
0: yeah, I think it'll be a nice tester for Leinster straight after lose fixture, Particularly in the front five exchanges, we know how good the Sharks are from, let's say, an attacking set-piece perspective. Particularly, they're scrummaging, they're attacking Maul. They will test Leinster all day long in terms of that, and maybe they try to keep it tight. But as you say, all the aces kind of indicate that all those players that you've named here for Sharks that are unavailable, this looks probably a tough ask here for Sharks. And given the head coaching role, given the turbulence here in the Sharks squad, failure to qualify for Champions Cup next season, real hammer blow. I think there's financial implications here, Liam. I can see quite a few of the marquee Sharks pack going elsewhere come next season. So I think from a Sharks perspective, maybe the competitiveness, maybe it's a squad in transition next season.
1: It, 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 it could very well be. But, but certainly, I mean, in terms of the league, they should have just done a lot better. In terms of uh, position, you know, you, you know, even if you compare them to teams above them, the likes of, quite frankly, Connacht, Bulls, and Munster. I mean, you know, you could, you really could have said that the Sharks should have finished above all those sides, and, and didn't. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, their head coach role is basically has to be, you'd have to say, almost probably gone at this stage, um, for for that performances.
0: Particularly when I think back to back in the last year. Particularly that card of home performance when they were absolutely blanked. They were annihilated by a card of rugby team, missing quite a few regulars as well. I think that really set the tone. I think, from my perspective here, the league table doesn't lie at the end of the season. Uh, I think the Sharks, fundamentally, I think we talked about this off air here, Liam, the cohesion between the pack and the backs has never been there. You know, it has been a very much a work in progress all year. And again, this result against Munster really caught up with the Sharks. At the wrong time, because they had no time to recover here to maybe get a top seven spot. But I think it's a a huge blow for the Sharks, considering the financial backing, potentially the the investment that's been going in. There's going to be a turnaround in coaching staff, obviously, here as well in the Sharks. So it'll be interesting to just see how they will react to travelling up to Dublin in two weeks' time. Uh, I suppose the Ulster-Connacht game, we've kind of talked about the Glasgow Munster Stormers versus Bulls as well. I mean, considering the Bulls put 62 points past a Leinster rugby selection, do you give them any chance down in the Cape to play the Stormers?
1: Um, yeah, actually, you'd have to give them a chance. It's going to be probably a, a typical derby game, T- tight enough, certainly, in the terms of the first half. And it's just a question of whether, for me, and the Stormers can pull away in the second half. And, and one of that thing for me is is whether Dion Fourier is playing. That's That's absolutely massive. I also think that the Stormers have the overall game with like Evan Roos back again. I think that that also adds to to the Stormers game. I think the key player will be Damien Willemsa. I think wherever he roams or wherever he plays, um, I think he's just going to create absolute havoc for the Bulls. And I I just think that the the Bulls have also a a fearsome uh, front row as well. And I think that's going to, Earn them penalties actually at scrum time, so I, I I think they will pull away in the second twenty minutes, uh, and uh, yeah, I I think I, I think they, they'll two scores, I think like fourteen fifteen points, I think
0: in the end. I'd go with you there, name. I think the overall balance of the two teams here. I think Bulls will have their moments, particularly in the first half, but I think going into that third quarter, fourth quarter, depth chart, bench being cleared. I think Stormers here, they do have that skill set. They, they do have that kind of genuine class to really break a, a game open. And I think Williams, uh, I think, is a key cog on that. Gets off as well, has had a very prominent last few weeks as well for Stormers in that front row. I think it'll be a superb uh, scrummaging kind of battle there as well. But I would go with the Stormers as well, purely on home field advantage. I suppose we talked about those Sir game here. You're given a good chance here for Connacht here from what we talked about a few minutes ago here, Lynn.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you've got in terms of in the back line, you know, when you've got the likes of Blade and and Porch and, you know, Hansen and Aki. And then, like, up front, my God, like, I mean, you have Finlay Bielam like, who is such a destructive scrummager and you have an excellent, um, the Murrays in the second row and then the likes of Prendergast, Boyle and Jared Butler I mean yeah you, you, you'd have to give him a chance like you know to tick all the boxes again it's just a question of it do can Ulster co- you know there I think the Tom O'Toole might possibly be out um, for this so I think that makes another difference in terms of scr- I think Ulster could find a, a right handful in terms of scrummaging time and I, I think that that uh, kind of could get quite a bit of uh, penalties uh, off Ulster and again, I, I think it, it it it's the kind of game wh- where if Ulster are able to get their driving ball into effect, that will make a key difference in that game, I think.
0: The breakdown battle is going to be fascinating. Watch here. When you consider likes of the Nick Timities here, you considering the likes of the Butlers, I would say, as well. Connor Oliver's had a superb season for Connacht Rugby as well. I think whoever tries to control the rock area here has a big, big... You know, advantage here, and as you said, that Ulster attacking maul from five ten meters out could be could be ominous for Connacht. But as you said, there was a few noticeable absentees from Connacht rugby uh, heading into that Glasgow Warriors game. Mm-hmm. The key will be to get Bundy back, Kieran Marmion back, other people within the squad back. Hansen, I think it was unavailable as well. So again, I think that's probably the tie of the round for me. Uh, really, I think this could be fireworks because these two back lines have the potency to really cut the other open here with their attacking play. So again, I would probably give a slight edge here to Ulster, just a slight edge, but I think I would not be surprised here if Connacht Rugby won this in an absolute classic like a 40-35 classic here to be perfectly fair. Prob
1: prob probably, probably Ulster will just just sneak it. But look, I I am giving them I'm giving them probably 60-40, you know, in in terms of Ulster to win, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose the Glasgow Munster game as well. I think there's grounds of fair optimism here for Munster Rugby. But I suppose Munster have a few demons to bury here in Scottsdale. One, that performance from Glasgow Warriors at Towman Park. But two, let's be brutally frank about it here, the business end of the season, that URC playoff quarter final last year against Ulster Rugby probably is irking a few of the players here and the management to right a few wrongs here. So I feel Munster will come into this game looking to prove a point here. And given that Glasgow Warriors have a very tough fixture away to Scarlets in the Challenge Cup, I think we've probably given Munster a good chance here of maybe securing maybe an upset win here, even though Glasgow Warriors have been unbeaten in Scottsdale in the URC this season.
1: Yeah, it would be nice to add uh, uh, Glasgow
0: Warriors to uh,
1: some of our, our, our famous uh, away wins. And it, look, it's well doable. And again, I'm not sure in terms of the Challenge Cup whether realistically to clear this stage, if I was Glasgow, I'd be resting guys in, in the Challenge Cup, you know, and kind of focusing on the ORC. I, I think that Munster selection, you know, off the bench is just off the charts compared to what uh, Glasgow probably would be able to to bring. And I think, again, selection in terms of Healy off the bench brings something else. And I can see him breaking Scottish hearts, actually, in that
0: game. I'd, I'd agree with you too. I think if there is, isn't a way performance win i think this could be the one really right at the end uh liam i think this is all poised to be an absolute titanic battle as i said two fran- franchises that don't really like each other historically and i think munster are very battle-hardened after that South african trip they have a week now to recover to get back in to limerick and prepare fully for this quarter quarterfinal and again I think there's optimism within this Munster rugby camp. I think the pressure may be off them a little bit in terms of securing the fifth place in the URC. An awful lot of the future has been settled, a certainty, uh, from a Munster rugby perspective. And yeah, I would probably go for a away win. I think Glasgow could be earmarking a Challenge Cup here, really, given the, the, the fixture. They did kind of provide an awful lot of front-line players against Connacht. But again, they're so close to silverware European silverware, Liam. I think it would be remiss of Glasgow Warriors not to really fully dedicate their squad to the Scarlet so, at the weekend. So there might be attrition there. There might be injuries. So I think a fresher Munster could really spring a surprise there. And I suppose we can get to the European Cup uh, fixtures here. Champions Cup semi-finals In the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, we have Leinster Rugby versus Toulouse. La Rochelle entertaining uh, extra Chiefs in Bordeaux. I suppose, uh, Liam... From a Leinster rugby Toulouse fixture perspective, it doesn't get much bigger than that.
1: Yeah, come last year it was a very handy win, I suppose, look for for Leinster. But um yeah, this is a different beast in terms of this Toulouse team. And um it still isn't a given because I think to me the three best teams in Europe, in no order, are Leinster and Toulouse and La Rochelle. Any one of those three can 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 win it. So it's not a given that Leinster even with home advantage, can actually win the European Cup this season. But I, I think, again, I, I look at the Leinster that the sheer strength in their squad uh, off the bench, like, is just uh, incredible. I think that Toulouse, if you were to name a, a World XV at the moment, probably would feature the teams of Leinster, uh, La Rochelle and Toulouse, with maybe a few Crusaders. And that's 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 the kind of quality you're looking at here, like, you know? You've got Ramos, who's going to kick from everywhere. You've got, obviously, the best player in the world um, as well in terms of DuPont. But then you also have some other good players in the world in terms of Caelan Doris and Josh van der Fleer and Gary Ringrose and players of that ilk. I, I, I think that it's, a, it's going to be an absolutely ferocious game. It's going to be in the melting pot right to the end, I think. But I think that Leinster will find a way Basically, like all great teams, to to win the game, I think that Leinster probably have a a, a better back row than than um, Toulouse. Just about, I think it's going to shade it there, and that's going to determine the game as well. I think they'll 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 dictate the pace of the game, and and I think that quite frankly, we'll play it at a, at a, at a quicker pace than than uh, Toulouse. I also think that. Leinster won't allow the game to become broken field play because that just justice is going to just be try, try time for Toulouse. I think Leinster will, will really keep a, a controlled game. That's how you beat Toulouse.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you, particularly on the controlled game plan because Sharks maybe fell into the trap of being a little bit too expansive against Toulouse, particularly in that second and third quarter in that quarter final win for Toulouse. So I, I do think that... Look, Leinster have really no excuses here, Leem, have they? I mean, since the Leicester Tigers quarterfinal, again, squad players, French players have gone to South Africa and the URC fulfilled fixtures. The frontline players and management have really honed in all their energies into this particular semi-final. So really, preparation can't have gone any better, really, from a Leinster rugby perspective. You compare that with Toulouse, where they did rest one or two players for the Stade Francais away trip. They lost 19-10, but significantly... They did pick up a few injuries. I think Jaminet would have been an outside bet to feature in twenty three man squad. It looks as if he has a serious ankle injury, also Josh Brennan as well went off with a concussion. so I think from that perspective here, I think the aces are kind of still with lenser It's too close to call from my perspective, Dolim. I think last season was probably an aberration in terms of to lose that monster quarter final fixture took so much out of, out of them that Leinster really, you know, really did kind of expose an awful lot of fatigue in the Toulouse ranks. But I don't see that here. And, you know, you have the likes of DuPont and Intimac here that are clicking into gear at the right time as a partnership. I think Leinster have to be on high alert here in terms of, as you say, the game plan. If it does break out a little bit open, Amalia, guys like that could really prosper in the Aviva Stadium on uh, Saturday.
1: Yeah, and again, um, I think compared to last year, the key thing was that Entimac really wasn't on form. This last year, if you remember, those calls for Jelly Bear for France, and he he he's just playing at a different level now. So again, that's 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 um, makes them most but more dangerous as well. I think that yeah, Toulouse, they will again they will kick an off a lot again because that's just. How DuPont plays as well, they were kicking off a lot, so in the area battle, I think hopefully that Den- Den- Leinster are going to be prepared for that as well.
0: Exactly. So I suppose from a Leinster perspective, the injuries, James Lowe has been ruled out already uh, to lead up to the game. More of a positive prognosis for the likes of Caelan Doris, Josh van der Freer, and also Ryan Baird, but I suppose, early on in the week as we're recording this podcast. So I think it'll be pivotal here, Darlene, though you mentioned about the back row unit for Josh van der Flair, Doris, and also maybe Ryan Baird as well to really contribute here uh, for Leinster on Saturday to be successful.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it'll be It'll be certainly be interesting whether they, uh, they bring Ryan Baird back. You'd imagine probably Baird could be in the, set, in the back row alongside van der Fleer and uh, Doris with Conan then to come in off the bench um, for real impact. Mm. And I, I think that's that's the kind of going to be the make-up of the back row. Ruddock is probably going to be out anyway as well. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's a very tasty and, and powerful back row and I think that's, that is that is the difference in the end.
0: So I suppose predictions, Liam, I'm kind of hearing your hedging bets for the home team here. Well... Neutral home team, mm-hmm. but I suppose Leinster to do the job here, but narrowly uh, compared to last year?
1: Uh, narrowly, probably a kind of try or an unconverted try. So I go, I go with five point win for, for Leinster.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I think Toulouse will bring a better battle, a better performance than they did last year. But I think they will come up short. They will present scoring opportunities for Leinster, who, if they are accurate with ball in hand, I think will cause Toulouse an awful lot of problems. Defensively, particularly in back three perspective. So yeah, i will go seven point win here for Leinster to advance to the final, where they will face either La Rochelle or Exeter Chiefs. I suppose, Liam, looking ahead to that game on Sunday, what are the key kind of matchups that you're looking forward to during that fixture?
1: Well, I think it'll be interesting in terms of the the um the two front rows. They, they're always excellent scrummaging in terms of Exeter chiefs. And then they're going up against Antonio. So that, that's always, that's got to be an absolutely um, terrific game. Sam Simmons, you know, is always an exciting player to watch. And Jack Nowell, of course, uh, he's, he's come back into good form. He's been injured for a lot of season. So I'm delighted to see him back. Um, but I, I think that all the aces are held by the Rochelle because I think, they have, you know, again some of the best players in the world in terms of right through the spine of the team from from Antonio to uh, Skelton to Aldridge to Botia, to Dante. So I think I think in 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 every sphere I think and and in France I think uh, they did well. I, I think Exeter probably been, to be honest had a kind of a, a good draw. In, in terms of the, the European Cup to get this far. La Rochelle, I fancy, to get to the final again for a second year in a row to uh, have the motivation to retra- retain their crown.
0: The I think going for extra Chiefs was I was very impressed with them against the Stormers. I mean, the Montpellier result was a bit close for comfort, to be perfectly fair, in Sandy Park. But the Exeter-Stormers game, I thought the way how Exeter started the game but an awful lot of physicality, aggression, their breakdown work really did expose Stormers all ends up, and I think the game in that fixture was over at half time. I suppose can XR Chiefs really disrupt like Gloucester did? I'm just thinking of Gloucester on that last sixteen where they really disrupted La Rochelle in terms of the ruck area and breakdown and really did create an awful lot of good opportunities themselves and maybe on another day were very unlucky not to advance. But I Going along with you. I mean, you're looking across the teams here. I think extra. this is going to be a pretty arduous task. I mean, if the weather is set fair in France, again, La Rochelle are just going to keep that intensity level going for the full 80 minutes. And I think from an Exeter Chiefs perspective here, Hastoy as well, you know, from La Rochelle perspective, has been a huge bonus for them, particularly if you thought there was a vulnerability with La Rochelle last season, maybe the kicking off the tee. Certainly can't be like that this year. I mean, he's been absolutely deadly accurate, but putting points over. So, I mean, Ulton Delane has been pro- pretty prominent here for La Rochelle as well. It seems to be getting more cameos here as the business end of the season progresses. But yeah, I'm probably thinking ten fourteen 14 point win here for La Rochelle, given a statement of intent before heading to Dublin. And uh, as you say, looking to retain, repeat on the, the Champions Cup and. Look, if they can get a 10-14 point win, they're going to send an ominous sign to whoever is in the other side of the draw that La Rochelle are still hungry and still determined to uh, retain their crown here, Liam.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I would say that La Rochelle, uh, you know, they, they really have a glorious chance of becoming a truly great European club, back-to-back winners in, in, in Europe. And uh, for under, under the, the Stuart coaching of of Rowan Lagarde. I think they've every opportunity of doing that.
0: Yeah, pretty elite club though as well Liam, if they could do that but I suppose first things first get business done on Sunday. Exeter will provide physicality, they will provide cohesion but I think La Shell's physicality and overall skill set I think prevail here. I suppose the Challenge Cup as well reaching the semi-final stage here we've two games one the Parky Scarlets, Scarlets entertaining Glasgow Warriors in the south of France Toulon facing Benetton Rugby I suppose Liam from your perspective who are the winners coming out of those two games this weekend?
1: It, it depends the way you, you, that, that uh, Glasgow approached this um, in terms of I suppose their team selection to what what they're prioritising competitions um, but I also think that Clinically have done extremely well over the second half of the season as well in terms of Europe and, in the, and the URC and and uh, uh, the last day actually was was a two weeks ago. They uh, that uh, it was twelve nine. Glasgow at home to Clintley and Clentley really brought brought their game, and I think Clentley at home. I I I just fancy it's going to be one of those legendary days that you know all great clubs like Munster and Leicester and Clintley have had in the past, and I just think. It'll. It's going to be a special occasion, like a lot of Welsh teams. They're going to have a lot of uh, guys leaving and a lot of retirements, and it, it's kind of like a, almost the a last mm-hmm. defiant hurrah, I think, in some respects for 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 this this club. Um, and I just think that they are going to um, they're going to get the get the win because it what, it what it really means to them. It kind of defies logic, but when you look at the league placings, but I I, I think yeah, I think it'll be. A match with, with I think a lot of tries in it. Funny enough, I think I think I think at the end it'll be that Clintley without score, they'll outscore Glasgow on tries, something like five tries to three or something, or try five tries to four.
0: Yeah, if you asked me last week, Liam, I would have kind of said Glasgow Warriors very comfortably. But I suppose the Scarlets have been prepping for this game for the last two weeks at least. I mean, they did rest enough of their first team players against the Dragons to finish off the URC regular season, so you can see where the priorities are. As you say, I think you've raised a great point, Liam, in terms of the Glasgow Warriors. What is the prioritisation this year? Is it to go all the way in the URC, or is it to re-secure European Challenge Cup silverware? To that effect, I mean, they've been very dominant, Glasgow, in terms of their last two games. They've scored 104 points. They put 73 points, obviously, past the Dragons at home. But, again, we saw vulnerabilities in their performance against Connacht Rugby. And, I mean, from Scar's perspective... They've really impressed. They really impressed me against Munster rugby, particularly down in Musgrave Park. That second half performance really was free flowing, very accurate, exceptional offloading, and uh, yeah, from my perspective here, Liam, look at Scarlets run to this point. They beat Breiv, and then they beat Clermont Alvernon, an absolute classic. In the last eight at home, so I mean they're battle hardened in this competition. Uh, I think Glasgow Warriors, as you say, have the eye off the ball in any way. I think Scarlets could actually shock Glasgow, and I'm probably going with a Scarlets home win here. I think the home field advantage here for Scarlets is going to be huge. I think three to five points here, Liam. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm going to go by you know as I said they're going to they're going to outscore them tries wise. I think I think it'll be. Uh, And give me a point win for for Scarlets.
0: So it'll be interesting to see, fascinating watch. I think Glasgow will load up the first teamers here particularly. But Scarlets, again, just to save our season territory here, Liam, they realise they're within 160 minutes of winning a European Challenge Cup, which gets them guaranteed entry into the Champions Cup next season. So I think the rewards are huge here for Scarlets, and I think that might be the edge here that they require. I suppose culminating then in South of France, Toulon against Benetton, an affiliation to Benetton Rugby all season in terms of their running rugby, their progression the season. They're going to face a big asset test here in the shape of Toulon, who have been mightily impressive in the competition so far. But do we give Benetton a good chance to maybe secure a road trip win in Toulon?
1: Um, It's kind of one of the things where I I was, before this, I was kind of almost tipping Benetton to, to do an away win. But as the week has come by, I suppose, realistically, I think Toulon uh, at home, you know, and then uh, the French team in the south of France are going to be very formidable opponents. And they also have uh, that uh, carrot of, of Europe and winning a competition, which they haven't done probably since they won the European Cup. And I think also that Benetton, they, they are a bit loose in defence. They do rack up big scores, but they also concede quite a, quite hefty amounts too. And I think that Toulon should have enough for, for Benetton, unfortunately, in the south of France. Um, so I, I would have to look at maybe Toulon by five or six points.
0: Like for me, for Benetton to win, there's a few points I've written down here. I think the pack, the front five, has to be completely on the money on Sunday. No ifs or buts. They have to be absolutely perfect. Otherwise, I think this game could go away from them a bit quickly here. It's front five, do impress. They do have the game here, particularly, let's say, Umanga, likes of Minicello, guys like that can, you know, create opportunities. But again, I'm looking at that Toulon bench here. I mean, likes of West, bigger at 10. Saran at nine, you have Olivion, You have a meaty front five pack here as well that will secure front... From football, I thought they were mightily impressive against uh, Lyon in this quarterfinal. I know we can probably quip that you know the French teams, particularly in quarterfinals the Challenge Cup, isn't really a priority for them compared to their domestic league. But again, I thought they were mightily impressive, and I mean home support here. I think Toulon, yeah, probably seven to ten points. But I think the hope here, Liam, is that Benetton are competitive and produce a performance, and I think it'd be great for tournament organisers if an Italian team could win here to get into the big dance as in the European Cup finals that Friday night particularly in Dublin to the Prelude to the Champions Cup to have an Italian team in the final would be absolutely brilliant for tournament organisers and for the Italian game I think as a whole here Lynn.
1: It certainly would and I mean I, I don't put it past them they they have pretty much six of the Italian pack they have the Argentinian uh, loosehead prop and then they have the, the Italian centre. So they certainly have some quality there. And, and they, they certainly um, seem like a, a long term project in terms of getting tour for next season as well and improving the squad. But Toulon, in terms of their league, I think they're fifth or sixth place in the league. So they are actually having quite a good season. They are, you know, very formidable at home. That's why uh, I think they're 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 looking at on the two fronts this season of doing well in Europe as well and uh, as well as as well as qualifying high up in the league.
0: Yeah, they're currently fifth in domestic league, so a much stronger performance from Toulon than in previous seasons. Yeah, I think it's a tough task here for Benetton, but again, hope springs eternal here, Liam. Fingers crossed for Benetton, but I think if you're a betting man, I think you would go for the home team here. So. So it looks as if uh, we have uh, probably a Leinster-La Rochelle Champions Cup final. It looks like it's a Scarlet's-Toulon final, which would be quite novel as well. I suppose Liam would leave it there. It's been a lengthy one, but uh, plenty to cover. I suppose in our next episode, we'll review the Champions Cup semi-finals and also look at the quarter quarterfinals, uh, the playoffs fast approaching. We'll have a more in-depth review there. I suppose Liam, enjoy the long weekend and we'll talk next week. Yeah, okay, Mark. Thanks for so watching. Enjoy yourself. Love. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.